the Othello Foursquare podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit othellofoursquare.org. Hey, I am so excited to welcome up. Before I welcome him up, I just want to brag on, um, on this guy real quick. Okay, so John DeLeon has been leading our youth, has been pastoring these kids, and he is a phenomenal leader. It was one of the things we prayed for was for God to bring leaders to that were willing to just step in and to, and to pour into what God is doing here. And this guy right here who's going to share the word of God this morning, he has been nothing but a blessing. And, and the anointing on his life is so evident. And so we're just, we just bless him this morning, even before he comes up and shares what God has put in his heart. And we believe that this is just the beginning. So, John, everybody, help me welcome John as he, as he shares the word this morning. John B., love you, bro. Good morning, guys. I am, man, I'm so overjoyed and excited to be here. Um, I feel like this message, God's been kind of placing on my heart for um, quite some time now. Um, but before I get started with anything, Pastor David and Kinsey, I love you guys. Um, thank you so much for pouring into me. And um, I know that it's your job to protect this stage and this platform. And you've given me that honor today. And I don't take that lightly. Um, and to the house, you guys have shown so much love. We're coming on six months of me kind of serving here. And I've felt nothing but your guys' love and appreciation. And um, for that, I'm so thankful um, to be able to be here today. Before I do anything today, I kind of wanted to open up the word. Um, if we got it on the screen and in your Bibles, um, to Acts 7, verses 54 through 60. And when you got it, say amen. amen. So it reads like this. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. Like that. <laughs> But he, he, full of the Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of, God, Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning, Stephen called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he said this, he fell asleep. So if you can pray with me, Lord, thank you for this day, God. Thank you for your word and this church and everybody here. I pray that uh, what you want to speak today would be said and that everybody's heart would be opened up. Uh, so there's nothing about that verse that's funny, but I, I had to laugh because when, he, when they said that uh, they gnarred their teeth at him, I got my little brother standing right there, and um, growing up, whenever he would, like, get me really mad and I was ready just to come at him, he would, he would say, John, why are you doing that with your teeth? Why are you doing it with, with your teeth? And we used to have this bulldog, and when he'd get mad, he'd, he'd get his underbite going. And uh, it just reminded me of that. But um, I'm so happy, man, that I get to be here, especially during uh, this time, during the holidays. I... This is my favorite time of the year. I love family. We get together. And um, so Thanksgiving just passed. How was your guys' Thanksgiving? Good. Hope you guys had lots of turkey. Um, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. 
because uh, it's family food and football. And I've said a couple times, and if you guys don't already know, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan through and through. Uh, so I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it was kind of a bittersweet day because we were with family. We were hanging out. But unfortunately, the Cowboys, they, ha- they had to lose in overtime. Um, but it was good. It was good. We got to spend some time with family. And, you know, what I really like when we get together, um, we really reminisce kind of on memories and good times and stuff. And got to spend some time with a nephew that I have. He's in middle school. He's one of the first kids that I've seen since he was a baby grow up. And uh, it was pretty cool. Um, but I don't know if you guys have any middle schoolers at home. They're kind of a little hard to reach. You know, they're kind of hard to read. He's really quiet. The other day I uh, took him to a movie, and uh, he probably uttered maybe three or four sentences. Um, but it was cool. I had, I had a good time spending with him. But what uh, happened during Thanksgiving um, was we kind of found a bond. Uh, he came up to me, and he was showing me his collection of shoes. And if you don't know this about me, but I really love sneakers. Jordan specifically and Nikes and so he comes up to me he's like yo John look at these new Yeezys look at these shoes I hope my dad gets me these for Christmas and we're talking and we're sharing and I couldn't help but um, remembering the moments that I had when I first knew that I realized I like sneakers and uh, his dad is my older brother um, my favorite thing to do when I was a kid was go to his room and explore so <laughs> he would just uh, be at work or he'd be somewhere and um, I specifically, I remember I'd get my little, uh, my little chair, and his closet has multiple shelves, and I'd stand, and I said, what am I going to find today, right? <laughs> and uh, so I finally found uh, these shoes, and they were these Jordans that had a big Nike on them, and I remember putting my feet in them, and I was like, man, I can't wait till my feet fit in these. <laughs> and uh, since that day, I was just, I was hooked. I, I wanted, if I could have every sneaker that Jordan ever wore, I'd have it. Um, and so uh, it got me kind of thinking about Nike and just why I love it. And um, one of the stories, one of the big reasons why I, I love Nike after that, uh, I was at a convention one time, and there was this guy. He was talking about shoes. And I was like instantly like, oh, cool. And uh, he told me or he told the crowd that Nike in the Greek means victory. And there I was wearing some Nikes. And so victory, I'm walking in victory. And so if you're wearing Nikes today and you take a step, you're stepping in victory. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why I like Nike. Uh, There's a couple stories. I was watching a documentary one day, and um, really cool. 1972 Olympics. Some of you guys might have been around then. Um, But Nike and Adidas kind of always had this battle. To this day, they're fighting with each other. And uh, so at this Olympics... Adidas came out with this shoe called the uh, Aztec Gold, because I think it was going to be in Mexico. And Nike had kind of a similar idea, and they wanted to call their shoe the Aztec. And so Adidas got word of this, and they were like, hey, we're going to sue you if you come out with that shoe. And so Phil Knight, who's the owner of Nike, he goes, all right, well, who was the guy who took down all the Aztecs? And his name was Hernan Cortez. And they came up with this shoe. Can we put it on the screen? If we got it. Fingers crossed. Don't have it? Okay, we're good. Well, they came up with this shoe, and it's called the Nike Cortez. Um, 
the world went wild. They sold over 80,000 pairs after um, that event. And uh, you can still find that shoe on the shelf today. So it had a long shelf life. Um, but what fascinated me about this guy, Hernan Cortez, I got to looking and, and kind of researching who he was and, and what he's about. Um, and he was a Spaniard. He was a conquistador. And uh, he's famous for taking down the Aztec Empire, right? And so the, the story goes, or the legend has it, that him and his Spaniards sailed for a year to Mexico to go overthrow these Aztecs, right? And so they pull up on shore after, mind you, a year on their ships, a year on their home. They pull up on shore, and as soon as they get on shore, you know, you would think they'd game plan like, hey, how are we going to, you know, overthrow this empire? The first thing that this guy decides to say the first, very first thing, hey, what I want you guys to do, all the boats, whoever the leaders are, the captains, set flames to our ships. And I can imagine the people that were like, why are we doing that? You know, and I could just think like in my mind, why would we burn our homes? These were our homes for a year. And uh, Cortez, he says, look, we're burning our ships because the only way we're going home is on their ships. And so uh, the title of this message today is called Burn the Ships. And uh, big idea, what I want you guys to kind of be thinking about while I'm talking is, I believe that God has called and has called us to burn ships in our lives daily. And I want to go through a couple of them. Uh, ship number one, I believe that God has called us to burn unhealthy and ungodly relationships in our lives. Um, if we could just turn to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. So, when you got it, say amen. amen. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And it reads like this. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Talking about wanting to be a Christian bounty hunter. So yeah, he's, he's, he's coming to the synagogue. And, and Saul at this time, he was kind of like a, he had some high citizenship in the Jewish community. So he was able to do that. So he goes, hey, I need the paperwork. I need everything. If I see a Christian on the way to Damascus, he's coming home and changed. And so now he went on his way as he approached Damascus. Suddenly, a light from heaven shone around him, and he fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. What I find very interesting, and, and this story is pretty common in the Bible, but what I find very interesting is that Saul was literally on his way to do exactly opposite of what the Lord wanted to do, but God still met him. God said, hey, you know, this is what you want to do. I'm going to show you what I want you to do, and I think that's a crazy encounter. It's a beautiful moment because it's showing God pursuing Saul, and, and Saul's not even thinking about God at all, but what I also want to focus on here primarily because this, this ship is relationships is we need to be careful of who we surround ourselves with 
and where we're going. Um, because the guys that Saul was following or, or that were following Saul were nothing but yes men. And they had no business other than to, hey, we're going to do what you say. And I feel like there's so much times in our life where we get caught up in surrounding ourselves with people that don't challenge us, that aren't walking with us where we need to walk with. And so having that godly partnerships, godly relationships, people that are going to walk with you where God is trying to take you is so important. So important. So um, I want to jump to Acts 22. Bear with me. We kind of got quite a bit of scripture today. Um, So in Acts 22, this is kind of after Saul becomes Paul, and he's recollecting this moment um, after he becomes kind of the guy that God wants him to be. And uh, Acts 22, 6 through 9 says this. And I was on my way and drew near to Damascus. About noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but didn't understand the voice of who was speaking to me. Can I just say, church, we need to have people around us that understand the voice. People around us that can understand what we're walking through, what we're going through. Not everyone, this is a big thing, not everyone who is walking with you in your life, even if they may seem like, hey, we're partnering with you, is not going to understand you. So later on in that, uh, in that chapter, we jump down to verse 12. It says, And one, Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing by me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And every hour I received my sight and saw him, and he said, God of our Father, the God of our fathers anointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And I just think, man, my prayer today, God, rid me of these friends that I'm going with on Damascus and send me an Ananias. Send me somebody that I can, that can say, hey, I'm going to speak life into you. Hey, you're not supposed to be doing that. This is what God has called you to do. Stop stepping outside of yourself and do what you were intended to do and what we were called to do. So I think as we ponder this point, I would like you guys to, my original idea for this message, I won't won't lie to you, I wanted to throw it back to really youth group convention style and have you guys write down on a little ship. I was going to cut out things, but uh, (laughs) the the Lord was like, hey, I need, you guys, I need you to let them know to write it on their heart. So as, you're, as we're, we're thinking about relationships and those people that, hey, man, maybe, and, and, it, and it doesn't have to be, hey, I'm done with you, but hey, maybe we need to change the way our relationship looks a little bit so you can be the one that's walking with me. Or, hey, i got to find myself an Ananias. So ship number two, um, and I feel like this ship is really hard because... Or human is selfishness. Um, so Jesus binded Saul because he was in his own religious way. He was a Jew. He knew the word, and uh, he wasn't doing something that was out of his what he knew. He was trained. Hey, 
that's not the Messiah. I'm going to protect my religion. But the problem with that was he was so focused and integrated on what he was taught that he was blinded to what God was trying to do in and through him. And so I feel like, man, I wanted to, I almost named this message Blind Moments because I feel like in order to, in order to actually see what God is trying to do in our lives, we've got to be blind. But we're, you're not going to see what God is trying to do unless you're blind. And it's kind of an oxymoron, but it's really how God works. You've got to be blind to yourself. And I, and, and I wanted to read Matthew 16 through 24, and it's Jesus talking, and he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will take it. God, make me blind so I can see. Die so you may live. These are two in the same. You got to burn these ships of selfishness so God can get you on his ship and take you where he's trying to take you. And I know this is, this is really uncomfortable, but I, I love how Sam put it a couple weeks ago. We can't give people a false gospel. We're, we're, called, we're called to be different. We're called to go against the current. We're not called to sit and do what everybody else is doing. And this is such a time where the world is just so different from the church. Church and state are not the same. And I feel like it's our time to rise up, be blind, shut our selfishness off, shut our mentality off, and say, God, what do you want to do in this moment, in this season? And this third ship right here is, it's really hard. It's really hard because it's ship number three, and it's the last ship, and it's unforgiveness. And uh, I, for, I, I feel like this ship is really hard because it's personal. God, John, you don't know what they did to me. Or you don't know what they said. Or that, that, what they did, it hurt. I can't. I can't go back to them. They're done. They're dead to me. And I feel like time and time again, we get caught up in this, this idea that we can't, we got to withhold love from people because of what they've done to us. Um, but I want to circle back. I want to circle back to that first verse that I read today. And it's in Acts 7, and it's Stephen. And uh, it's, it's days, moments after Christ was crucified. And you see Stephen in the temple preaching, hey, this is the Messiah. He's, he's reciting Jewish law, lineages. Hey, this was the God. This was the Messiah that God sent us. And... Uh, we see here people grinding their teeth at them, getting mad, and they move out. And uh, we'll read it again. It said, now they, were, they heard these things, and they were enraged, and they grinded their teeth at him. But he, full of the Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And then they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And, and the witnesses, they laid down. They laid down their garments at, a feet, at the feet of a young man named Saul. And Saul's standing there, and he's seeing this happen. And historically, they did this because their garments were heavy. And so the reason why they laid down their garments was, hey, i got to get a better range of motion. So every blow can hurt. And Saul's sitting there, and he's like, yeah, hey, I got you. Okay, I'll watch it. I'll watch your garments for you. And I can't get this out of my mind. 
as this is happening, and as this man's getting persecuted and beaten, and stone after stone is falling, and as he's at his last breath, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he said this, he fell asleep. We look at Saul and we look at who he is today and the man that he became. And as a human, the Bible doesn't say what Saul was thinking, but as a human, I can only imagine that that was in his mind. I can only imagine that once he fell off of that donkey or horse or whatever it was, and God said, this is what you're going to do. He saw what it was supposed to look like. He saw, man, this is a cause worth dying for. Without Stephen, we don't get Paul. We don't get Saul. Talk about dying to yourself. Talk about forgetting about your hurts, your emotion, your pain, your shame, and giving it all to God, because that's what Stephen did. So it's crazy, because as we continue reading, we find Paul, or Saul, who turned Paul, and he becomes this pretty much this for like this founding father of the Bible. And he starts writing this text and as he's about to end his life, he's saying, God, I've, I've, I've finished the race. I've fought the good fight. And what I, what I would like to say today is that your forgiveness unlocks hope in other people. Your forgiveness unlocks freedom in other people. You don't know the Saul that's on the underhand, other end of your withholding of forgiveness. And I, and I believe, I, I, I thought this message was kind of going to turn into more of a self-reflection, God, what do I got to do to change my, my heart? And it, and it is, but I think this is more of an outward. How do we show people what we're supposed to be doing in the kingdom? And how is it supposed to look like? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's really about. And uh, the power of forgiveness can transform. And, it, and it's the very nature of who God is and who God intended us and called us to be. So I just want to pray with you um, as we kind of close and conclude. Thank you so much for your time. But God, thank you for this day. I pray, uh, pray over this church and this congregation. And I just want to thank you for opening my heart and this message, God. I pray that if there's any ship, God, that needs to be burned, if there's anything that we're withholding and, and need to, to give to you, God, I pray that today would be the day, God. That today would be the day that we would wake up, God, that you would show us, reveal to us. God, give us a blind moment, Lord, a blind moment so that we may see, God, where you want us to go, where you want us to be taken. Lord, open our hearts to what you want us to do today. We love you, Jesus. Man. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to partner with OFC, you can give on our website, othellofoursquare.org. Have a blessed day. We'll see you next time.